Hello, folks. Welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and I'm your host. This week, I have Jack Stewart, one of the hosts from Rock the Park, Emmy Award-winning ABC show, and it's also on YouTube, although I don't think all the episodes are are there, but um, probably a good amount, and I think they're releasing them weekly, uh, as Jack said. I'll be honest, I had a really fun time on this podcast. It's fun when someone shares your enthusiasm for whatever whatever shared interest you have. And in this case, it was nature, hiking, wilderness, mountaineering, animals, dogs, all the good stuff. And, um, you know, Jack and his co-host Colton, they go to national parks and national forests uh, in the U.S. and really try to show them from a average guy hiker weekend warrior type of uh of, of of lens of focal point and not the bear grills jumping out of airplanes you know eating um insects to survive type of show which those are great as well and there's room for both of them but i just feel like this is a little bit more relatable just an everyday guy going and doing amazing hikes in amazing places that we have here in the country in national parks. They are really gems and havens and sanctuaries for people who live in the city or people who even live in suburbs and just people want to go out to enjoy nature. These places are unbelievably beautiful and awe-inducing and inspiring and people should go out and visit them more. And I think what they do in the show is they just make it seem much more accessible than maybe some of the other shows out there. Or, you know, when you see these guys climbing massive walls and doing mountaineering and you're thinking, oh, maybe, you know, I need to be very advanced to do that. But as long as, you know, you keep safe, you can enjoy the less technical and less dangerous activities that some of these national parks and forest and state parks offer. So appreciated Jack coming on, being honest and candid about how we started the show, how everything came to be, uh, stuff that they go through, how to be safe during hikes. And yeah, we talked about a lot of different things and hopefully we'll set something up in the future. Maybe I'll go west, he'll come out here sometime and uh, we'll do some fun hikes together. So yeah, I had a blast. Uh, As always, guys, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps. So I appreciate it. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And hopefully you can take some of the things that Jack said and uh, apply them in your own life. I think he had some uh, pearls of wisdom in this podcast. So Take it and uh, make it your own. So without further ado, here is this week's guest, Jack Stewart. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. Hey, Jack. Hey, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, I can't really complain. It's a beautiful day here and just uh, taking it easy. (laughs) Are you enjoying the California weather? Been out surfing and a little bit of hiking and just, yeah, enjoying summertime. The water's warm. It, I live by the coast, so it's warming up here too. So yeah, it feels good. 
I mean, I would imagine that we were talking a little bit before we started recording it, and, and you were saying that you were at your parents in, in Minnesota, and it just felt more more open space, more or less COVID-y. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we had the same thing. But I, I feel like with New York and, and, and I guess whatever city it is in California, be it I don't know, San Francisco, L.A., it there's just New York is just such a um, concrete jungle. It's like just to get out of New York to go see. And like once you leave the city, there's a lot of open space. There's hikes, there's snowboarding within a two hour drive or so. But once you're in that city, like you're locked. It's just concrete jungle. And within California, I just feel like within like a short drive, you can still hit, you know, there's the beach, there's some uh, nice hiking trails. There's, it's just more naturey than, you know, New York is. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I actually, cause I love New York. I thought like at one point I was like, you know what? I would love to live there. But then the, and I've been in LA now, the LA area for about nine years. The more that I have lived here, the more I've realized that like, if it were a choice between New York and LA, LA suits me just a little bit more because yeah, they're just, nature is a little more accessible and there's a little more diversity in the landscapes too. Cause like right here, you know, I've got the ocean out there and then desert is like an hour away and I love the desert and then mountains are only, I mean, there's mountains around LA, but yeah, man, since this pandemic, I mean, the whole, this whole place now feels different too. So it's, it's, you know, it's an evolution, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he pretty much put the the whole state back on lockdown, right? They were thinking of reopening or they just started reopening a few, a few different uh, industries and went right back to lockdown. Yeah, for the most part. So like, I'd say anything social is back on lockdown. Uh, The businesses are open, which is nice. So you can, you can go to a store and get what you need. Now it's not just all about Amazon anymore. But restaurants are back to takeout, I think, entirely. Bars certainly are closed. So, you know, I think, I think maybe this is what we're going to be looking at for a while, which is it's more doable than the full lockdown. That's for sure. So I, I guess I'm grateful for that. You know, and again, something we talked a little bit before we started recording, but when I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm from New York and then last three months we've spent out here in, in Connecticut and it just gives us the access for so many hiking trails and just beautiful areas and just being able to step outside and there's, there's trees and there's a backyard and the dogs can run free and wild. And I feel like with, because I think gyms and exercise, fitness places, martial arts, etc. Most of those are going to be open last. And I, I, I really have been thinking recently about like how that affects people. You know, like you can't go in, you can't feel good about yourself. You can't exercise, you can't work out, you can't sweat it out. And that builds not only physical, you know, problems, but mental ones as well. And I think oh, now totally. is the best time for people, if they have access to it, just go hiking, man. It's, it's just as good of a workout. It's, you know, mentally, it's probably even better. So I think like now is the best time if, if, if the parks and, and, the, and the forests are open, just go out there, man. Just hike as much as possible. Run, go do uh, trail running, whatever it is that you're into, just go do it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Something that I think this is a time of high anxiety for people uh, in so many ways beyond 
the pandemic, but also just with the change, like the social unrest and just how, how our world just seems to be like hanging by a thread. People need that relief. And so when this started, I've been a drummer my whole life, but I put the drum set away like five years ago, just out of space. And I pulled it out during quarantine and I started playing it again and I loved it. And, and so, and then once, and so that's such a good release for me, but then also surfing now that's back and hiking. I was doing some home workouts, which I'm still doing. That stuff is so important. And I've been thinking more and more about what's going on right now. And I was thinking like everything from like the everyday existential crisis of like, am I going to get this? virus that could potentially be a problem for me or for my loved ones or whatever it is taking a psychological toll on people and it was funny because i was talking to a friend about this yesterday i was like i don't think i'm going to be the same after this and he said he goes what if we're not supposed to be the same after this and i was like that's a good way to look at it because like i agree like people need something right now to be able to manage this stuff because it's uh it's pretty heavy but i had a change of perspective yesterday i was like yeah that's a good way to think of it maybe this is is moving in a, a positive direction for humanity i mean i don't know if it's that's a tough one i mean i do i like that way of looking at it like maybe it is something that we needed in order to shift into a different direction i just don't know if it's a good or bad one or or it could be that some people will like, for example, I think we like personally, me and my wife, we needed this thing to see that, oh, wow, we can actually live outside of the city and we could do it well and we could actually thrive and have a much better life. But we we might not have had that opportunity to test this out if not for COVID. And I think that's happening with a lot of people. But I think with a lot of people that are maybe not utilizing this time as well and they're just stuck on their computer on twitter and they're just going berserk at all the shit that people are saying online and then they're saying it and they're just spending way too much time online and it the virtual world almost becomes the real world for them and i think a lot of times when you spend way too much time online when you go outside, you realize, you know what? Most people are actually pretty nice. It's like, yeah. it's very different what's happening between the online world and the real, actual, real life world. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I agree so much with that. Like, something that I have just come to is just like this whole idea that people know what's, you know, they think they know what's going on and they know what's best for you and everything is such BS. And I'm so over it because it's like, the problem we have right now with all of this stuff is we just need to respect each other. Like, for example, like the whole mask deal, like I wear a mask, not necessarily because I'm like the one that's convinced that that is the solution here, even though I'm sure like it does really help, but more so I don't want to make you uncomfortable, you know, like walking down the street or whatever. I want to make you feel like you're safe. And that's just a mutual respecting. And, and, yeah. So, and so the people that I see in my life and, and around that are just so like focused on like commenting and like, and pretending like they have the answers to this stuff and just like living through their computers or their phones. I'm just like, this is so not the way to go <laughs> right now, especially like we need to come together and like uh, uh, find some stuff to agree on. Yeah, that drives me nuts. So I I agree. I I, I hope we move away from that for sure. I guess we could talk about the, the, I feel like 
everyone wants to vent about what's happening right now because we all feel that anxiety build up and and, and that you know we're all just a little bit depressed about what's going on and, and obviously people losing their jobs and there's a lot of like you said civil and social unrest but i think something like what you guys are doing is it's a great thing because it just gets people's mind like even when i you know i watch your show and, and by the way i really enjoy the show it's just I love it. It's just, it's just two guys going on adventure hiking, enjoying nature. It's not some Bear grills, MacGyver shit where they're jumping out of airplanes, eating a bat in order to survive, you know, out in the, some wilderness, even though for the most part, it's just like by a highway. Yeah, but, right, right. <laughs> that's just the difference. Totally, though. Yeah. But it's just something that it's very re- relatable to the average guy that likes to go on hikes and, and or average girl that likes to go on hikes. So yeah, maybe give us a little bit of a back on how the whole thing started, how you guys got into it, um, you and your co-hosts. Yeah, de- definitely. So, okay. So yeah, Rock the Park started, it was really born out of two passions of mine. One, I grew up, my whole family's been in media. Um, my mom was a television anchor. My dad was a reporter. And then my mom started a production company. And so cameras were always lying around and so I, I just grew up loving to make movies. But then on the side, um, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. I always had a love for the outdoors. But then my parents uh, took us to Yellowstone National Park when I was, I think, like seven or something, somewhere in there. And I remember the first time because we got into we went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and that's where we were staying. Then, you know, you cut back in time. Second grade, I meet this dude, Colton Smith, who is my you know one of my best friends to this day we just like clicked right away like back in those days like we would just be like out in the woods you know playing like whatever army or whatever like playing basketball doing all the stuff that like kids do especially growing up in minnesota and we were always the type that would try to like finagle something crazy and one thing led to another and uh, I moved to LA to do TV, but um, we still kept meeting up to go on adventures, and and we we put that together over a few months, and then one thing led to another. We sold it, and now we we've done six seasons of this show. And it's basically just a continuation of what we did for fun growing up and in college and after college. So it, yeah, it, it it's really about what you can do as an everyday, you know, normal person to find adventure in your own backyard and in these amazing national parks that we have and how you can find real adventure. Like, you know, you talked about Bear Grylls and stuff. I love that stuff. And you you watch that and you're like, man, that's insane. How can I do something like that? And you're like, well, that's a little crazy for me. Well, these national parks have adventures that are hardcore but that you can actually do and that's something that we learned and that's what we want to share with other people like you can get out and do this stuff mom's always the number one fan right she is but she's also the number one like pushback i'm like i don't know like if you should uh i don't know if i like you doing this you know rafting (laughs) trip or climbing this mountain so it's a a good balance there keeps me uh level as well yeah, my mom's is like she's always the first one to download any podcast episode, and then I'll, you know I'll get the critique within like a few hours. You know, it was very good, but you should do A, B, C. D. I'm like, thanks, mom. Cool. That's good. It's good That's to hilarious. know. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I guess you have what part of the show? It's on YouTube, but then all the seasons are on 
ABC. How, how did that, was that from, you know, your mom, the ABC part of it, that connection? Yeah. So, so basically, um, and I've worked, I worked with her production company. It's called Tremendous Entertainment. Um, she's that her company did shows like, um, Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern for however many years that was on, like 10 years. They work with the Travel Channel, VH1, uh, A&E, all these networks, whatever. So I went, we went through them to sell it. And so it ended up on ABC through this other company called Litton Entertainment. Um, it's a partnership that puts out educational television on Saturday mornings on the big networks like ABC, CBS, uh, NBC. And, and so where our show fits in is it's an EI educational show. But what we wanted to do with that is we wanted to put out a show that's accessible to families and to, to people. It's educational, but we didn't want it to be like one of these shows where we're just like teaching you the whole time. We wanted the, the teaching to come from an experience, you know, and, and more so a push to like get you out there to do it yourself. And so, so that's how that happened. And we've been on there for six years. And then, we were on Netflix and then we were on Hulu and then now the whole streaming world is changing where like shows were pulled from Hulu because they're going to Disney plus or whatever. And it got all complicated and we were like, you know what? We want to get these shows out there for our fans. And so we found a way to be able to release them on YouTube. So recently in the last like six months, we've uh, started a YouTube channel where you can actually go and we release them, uh, you know, on the week weekly basis. Um, where you can actually find shows there because people are streaming stuff. Like I don't, I don't have TV. I don't, I Same. actually don't have TV. Service. Same. Like, <laughs> Same. I, we wanted people to get these shows. So that's where you can find most of them now. And we're going to continue to release them there. Yeah. I mean, that's how I found it. And uh, the fact that you guys were on ABC. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's amazing. But I would never watch it on any of those channels. Like I have Netflix, I have YouTube, obviously where I watch, and then I'll have, I have HBO and, and maybe like Amazon Prime where you can watch, you know, some streaming stuff there. But that's, I mean, nowadays, that's that's it. That's all I have. I'm encouraged to know that you found us through YouTube. That's awesome. Like, that means that that's been, uh, you know, because we've been wondering, like, how's it doing? Like, or, you know, so that's that's good news. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like, you know, YouTube for, it's just, it's the best way. Obviously, you know, it, it's free, but there are, financial incentives there where you you can you can monetize it but i i feel like with any all the content that's out right now where it's 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 on video on youtube where it's podcasting whatever it is i feel like it's it's slowly moving to some sort of a subscription model where people don't want to listen to ads and and hey if you really like our content whatever it is then you know pay a small sum a monthly sum for it two three five dollars and be part of this community that, you know, really supports us. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff is moving towards. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's great. I also think, I hope there can be a consolidation of some of this stuff because it's like nowadays, it's like, oh man, how many different streaming platforms are there? How many, you know, one eight ninety nine a month is like, okay, yeah, I can do that. But now we're like three, four of them. I'm like, okay, let's, uh, you know, I don't want a monopoly next. I mean, we'll see. Maybe. I mean, eventually, they, you know, eventually I feel like it's all going to be owned by like five or six companies anyway. 
how do you guys come up with with an idea for an episode? It's just like, hey, you know, I've really wanted to go to this national park, and these are like the things we can do there, and let's show people. Or there's different process. We would go out and we'd find these adventures. So they wanted that to come from our eyes. So it really did start that way. And the bucket list was was long. And now after like six years and over 150 episodes, but we still have that bucket list, but it, it's shrunk down more where we we've, we've started to do a lot of things. But yeah, a lot of them is like, okay, I've always wanted to go to, let's say, Denali. And so we'd say, okay, well, let's go to Denali and let's find an adventure there. Is there something you guys really want to do? Well, we'd love to do some sort of a climb there or some backpacking. Okay. And then we have a staff that works to to find that, you know, and to coordinate it with the park and get the permits and everything, but also have it tell a story, have it be a part of a greater collection of stories that fit into the season. So, you know, so like I happen to love climbing mountains. It'd be kind of boring if every episode we were climbing a mountain. So we have a staff that's like, all right, we've done a few of those. Let's find something else, you know, like, yeah. So it's really a team effort. And now at this point, we're all working together where, you know, someone will say, hey, we found this awesome adventure here. What do you guys think? And we're like, yeah, it's awesome. Let's go do it. So it's really a team effort. But a lot of it did come from like, yeah, I just I want to go do this. Let's go do it. Do you bring up ideas? And then, you know, because I'm assuming there's a crew of, I don't know, four or five, six people. And they're like, no, shit, we're not doing this. Like, I'm not climbing this 14 or uh, carrying like 100 pounds of gear with <laughs> with me up the, up the mountain. That's definitely been, that has happened. That's definitely a part of the process. Thankfully, like our field crew, they've now turned into like good friends of mine, but, but we've like, we've whittled it down to like a group of people that can like, not only can handle like doing some crazy stuff, but also like just really want to be out there and love doing it. And so, and we're all friends at this point. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. But at the beginning, one of the one of the best stories we have that has come from this show is our first season, episode four. So this is the fourth show we're filming. Um, so this was the first trip out into the field ever for Rock the Park. And we came to a park called North Cascades National Park up in uh, Washington State. And we were going to climb this mountain. It, and this wasn't like a hike. This was the first time we'd ever done something where we're traversing a glacier. We have to be roped in. And to get to the summit, this isn't just a walk up, like it's actual climb. And the summit's the size of my coffee table. And like, gnarly. We got there and we had this crew and their cameras were built out. You can't even see it, but it's like built out huge. And like, they literally said like, we can't do this. Like, we're not doing it. And I remember being like, well, we were locked in. We were there. Being like, huh? All right. Well, I'll find. I'm gonna. We'll find a way. My my cousin at the time was 21, and he was working as our like production assistant. And he was like, "Hey, if you give me like a little camera, I'll, I'll go." And our audio guy at the time was like, "I can't take my full full rig, but like uh, if we come up with something smaller, like I'll go." And so, literally, my cousin, who's the production assistant, decides to go shoot this with us. Our, our two like you know Other camera operators. really yeah <laughs> and so it was it was incredible not only was it super encouraging so it's like all right first season we won an emmy like what what the heck like how does that even happen but it was also like all right props that's what happens when you say like all right let's find a way to get this done 
you know, like, I feel like that's such a good analogy for life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we have yeah. a problem. We can't do it. Let's not do it. No, you, you find a way and you do it. Totally. And there are some things, you know, all within reason nowadays, like we definitely look at things and we know our limits more and we can say like, all right, that can be done or that can't. But yeah, like you just said, for so many things in life, I think you can, there are ways to get to, to achieve your goal. And, and so um, instead of just shutting it down right away, let's, let's try to find a way to do it, you know, and that that was a great example of how that paid off in a way we never thought would happen. And I like that you guys don't over dramatize things, you know, and a lot of shows they'll they'll do this cliffhanger right before they go to the to the to the ads and and, and then when you come back it's like that's it. It wasn't even that exciting, you know? It's just it they'll just build it up and then it's kind of it it doesn't live up to it after the commercials. And here it's just not the case. It's like, yeah, this this is what it is. You know, this is dangerous. You should watch out, like within reason, but you don't overhype things. And I, I like that. I appreciate that. That means a lot too. I mean, we've definitely had our moments doing that because like navigating the world of TV and we've done it for six years. There were times where we did that a little bit and we just learned that A, it doesn't sit well with us because I totally feel the same way as you, but also it doesn't need that. Like these places lend themselves to incredible experiences, to true cliffhangers, to, I don't know, to, to actual drama, like, of like, can we make it to the top of this or can we squeeze through this cave or can we make it through this rapid where we realize we don't need to do that. And like you said, our fans, I think, appreciate the genuine nature of it more when we just let it roll, you know? Yeah. And I mean, look, it's, it's, there is danger in these things and you have to you have to come at it from a humble place and respect it and you know doing a 14er always a little dangerous especially some of them are even more dangerous like if you do rainier or or a few others yeah there you know i i i climbed it twice it's not an easy mountain and uh wow nice. yeah so there is in national parks you know there's there's bears there's wildlife there's just so many different things that can come at you so you don't like need to overhype it. It's already like fairly dangerous depending on the activity that you do. It's come out of nowhere and they make incredible stories. So, so why, why try to make it up? Because it happens anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys were uh, at uh, Katmai National Park in Alaska. And uh, I think this was like my favorite one because I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with bears. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and there were just so many bears and, and big bears brown bears like looked like they were like a thousand pounds and just ripping salmon like it was like like it was fish chips it was just like nothing for them was it humbling a standing that close to them knowing like if they want to they could just rip me into shreds within like a second and then like you guys did a hike which i felt like in that brush where it's so thick and where bears could literally come out of anywhere, even though you had a guide and I'm sure he, he knows like all the ins and outs, but it's, you know, it's a little stressful, right? Absolutely. Now real quick, was that the one where we were on the coast as well with the bears? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Funny about that. That was actually episode one. That was the first episode we ever shot really? of the show, which is, yeah, which was <laughs> a great way to start. That was insane. Like I said, I went to school, I went to college in Montana where we have grizzly bears, mm -hmm. but there, they're not quite there in the numbers they are in Alaska. And also there's way less food <laughs> for the bears in Montana. Yeah. So they're a little more 
they can be a little more aggressive because because they're much more like they're defending what they need and they see you as more of a threat there. So when we went to Alaska and saw those bears, to see them so close was very unnerving because what I was used to with these bears is like, if I was this close to a bear in Montana, like I'm in big trouble, yeah. but out, but out there, there's like a posture of like humility that you can have. And like the rangers and the guides tell you that, like, if we just stand here, like they're not gonna bother us. We still have to keep our distance, obviously, but if they come to you, they're most likely just going to walk past. That was a crazy experience. And Is that because they have so much food like available to them? Yeah. Like they have no interest in you because there is so much salmon there that they're just eating. They're eating it up. Yeah. Whereas in Montana, they've lost the fish there, which is a whole issue, but they have other food sources. But in Montana, there's fewer of them. There's less food. So they're, they're just much more on edge there, I guess. So that was crazy. And yeah, like you said, going through the brush and all that was, um, was definitely unnerving. And it felt like that was my first time to Alaska too. So it also felt like, Oh man, I'm in like another world yeah. right now. Like it was just, it was just very wild. It was cool. Alaska is real, right? Like Alaska is true nature, a true outdoors. It's not like hiking in Connecticut. Like Alaska is real. It is. And, and that's why I love it. Everything about it feels raw and bigger and just so, uh, it's just so amazing. I, I love it up there. And yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's like Montana, but on steroids, it's like a culture of like, you, you need to know what you're doing yeah. to be out there, you know? And most people do that are out there, you know? It's, so it's, it's a cool atmosphere for sure. Did you guys happen to go to Kodiak Island? We did not do that, but we've been to quite a few places there. Um, and we've had quite a few bear encounters among many other different adventures now at this point. So it's been a cool journey just through Alaska alone. What's worse, the bears or the mosquitoes? Oh, man, the mosquitoes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> mosquitoes are just going to bite you. Yeah. The bears don't really feel like it. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the mosquitoes are pretty gnarly. I am um, grew up in Minnesota where I can actually say, the mosquitoes in Minnesota in places that I've been are worse than Alaska. Everyone says they're worse than Alaska. I, really? I'll take them on on that, but I think it's probably a toss up. But uh, yeah, they're pretty gnarly both places. Uh, I hate mosquitoes. That's so do I. I. That's my kryptonite. I can't. I can't do mosquitoes. That's why I prefer to go to like cold places. In in the in the in you know during winter, it's just like it, it's great. It's just it, the air is clean. There's no mosquitoes. You're not really sweating unless you're like. I don't know, really doing some crazy activity. It's, uh, yeah. Well, not that the bears are ever coming after you, but th there's no bears. Uh, the only thing you have to worry about there is like water. And so if you bring enough water, I'm always like, well, I'm chilling. Like nothing's coming after me. <laughs> it's great. The desert is beautiful. I feel like it's underappreciated. The landscape, the topography, the, the color is just, it's so different. And, and, and um, I don't know, the rawness of it is just something that I don't think enough people appreciate like i i didn't grow up in the desert but like i i used to go to the desert a lot and when i was in the army i was in the desert and i just felt like there was something very beautiful about it i agree i think it's a it, it's a very uh unique beauty and there's almost something like mystical about the desert it's actually become death valley national park has become my favorite place because i've had some pretty amazing wild experiences there 
there's just something about that landscape that I'm just like drawn to. And it has nothing to do with the adventure that's there. It's more so just like being there. So yeah, I, I completely agree. There's, there's just something about it. I always tell people like when they're like, where should I go or whatever? I'm going, I'm like, yeah, check out Death Valley or Joshua Tree. And I'm always like, you're either going to love it or you're going to be like, meh. Cause like, I know some people that are just like, I just don't see it. But like, I think a lot of people do once they get there. Yeah. No, I mean, Joshua tree looks beautiful places in Arizona and Utah, yeah. like Sedona and, and a few other places, you know, that I've seen, they all just, I don't know. There's something otherworldly about them that I'm also personally very attracted to. I just, yeah, I haven't had any, I haven't had any time to visit the West Coast enough, I feel like. I've been to the West Coast a few times. I've been to the, like, Washington State and California a couple of times, Utah once, but then I haven't really explored um, the West Coast as much. And I feel like that's the majority of the beauty in this country. It's kind of like starts around, like, I don't know, maybe a little bit before Colorado and then just spreads west. And the East Coast is just not as – it's beautiful, obviously. You have, like, the, you know, Appalachian Trail and, and all these different places. And uh, you guys were also in Florida, and um, I think it was called uh, De- Devil's Den or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that place looked wild. That was beautiful. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, that was cool. I was going to say I should have just I should just leave this alone, but with the East Coast versus like the West. Yeah. Your words not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like I mean, it's not even close. I know. I'm definitely like I'm definitely drawn out here, but we have so many people including our staff that's like we have to go we, we have to go to the, you know, East. And and every time we do, I have a great time. You know, like Maine Shenandoah, uh, the Smoky Mountains, Florida. There are so many awesome places out there, obviously. But yeah, dude, Florida was, Devil's Den was awesome. Basically, to give people a, a clue of what this is, it's like these underwater or underground caverns. They're like massive sinkholes that developed like millions of years ago that have formed these like underwater springs. And so you go diving in them. And it's like a cave dive, but it's in a freshwater spring underground. And uh, it was crazy because whenever we go to Florida, we always go scuba diving, but you're on a boat in the ocean. We drove and we just end up in the woods and there's this dive resort there. It's like in the middle of the woods. And we're like, what is going <laughs> Like, where are we? What is going on? It was really cool. It was such an incredible experience and a great way to do if you're into caving and you're into diving you've always thought like wow i want i would love to do a cave dive cave dives tend to be very dangerous um this is the way to do it safely and to get that experience in a safe place where you're easily able to find your way to the surface and you're not going to get trapped anywhere you know it kind of looks like those um you have these swimming holes in Mexico. I forget the, the the area exactly, but it looks very similar to that. Definitely, I haven't been to those, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's going on the bucket list, like right away. And and I'm not a big like scuba diver or anything, but th- that just looked like a, a once in a lifetime experience. So cool, yeah, it's it's very cool, and I think it's under or it's it's not as well known either. That's another thing, like. I don't enjoy going to places that are heavily trafficked as much. You know, I don't, it's not like I'm looking for isolation and I don't want to see anybody, but there's like, you want to see a 
not too many people. Like you don't want the thing just littered with people everywhere you go. And when that usually happens, that that means that people are going to be loud. People are going to do their own thing. And I don't know. I feel like there's a there's this limit or not even limit, but there's certain places where you go. Do you know that it's hard enough or remote enough that only people who are really into it are going to be there? And it's not going to be just like gen pop where it's just people are going to put music on and speakers and going to throw crap on the floor. So you got, you got to find that balance. I totally agree. And I've changed my opinion on this because yeah, back in the day, like, especially in college, my experience level was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on the popular hiking trail in Glacier or Yellowstone or Yosemite. Cause that's all I knew. And yeah, you just see all the crowds and people. And like, I used to feel completely at home with that. And then the more I've gotten out into the more secluded remote places, I've become drawn to that. But I see it this way now where I'm like, okay, we need these places that attract everyone, like the national parks and the popular ones and the popular trails, because it gives those people an experience. And I'm I'm equally grateful for the fact that there are these other places, either within the national parks or other types of public land, where you can still get away and find your own like solitude and everything like that. And so that's what I'm drawn to now. And a lot of times, they're just as spectacular as the national parks. They're just lesser known and they're harder to get into or harder to know, you know, to know where to go. And so it's great that we have places for both people, like, cause we need it to be accessible. We need that, but we also do need to preserve the wilderness for those that want to, you know, find some solitude. A hundred percent. And, and I was, and I, you know, and I still do, but that's how I started. I would go to the places that are super populated and they're just the most popular and totally. that's, you know, the easiest hike. And that's, and that's kind of your intro into hiking and into nature. And then you gradually just you're like, you know what? I, I want something a little bit more remote. I want something a little bit harder or with a steeper incline, whatever it is. And you just gradually develop. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you essentially have one of the best jobs in the world, right? I mean, the, you get to do what you love, you know, uh, make a living off of it and share it with, with the world. And that's, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a blessing. I, I love that. It, it definitely, and I, I've learned to navigate this more as I've gotten older. There definitely are some uh, challenges to it, just like everything in life. But yeah, it, it's pretty incredible. I, I love that. And I love that it's positive, you know, because like I like I said, I worked in TV before this and I worked on some shows where they weren't necessarily negative, but I'm just like, what are, what am I doing? You know, like, what, what are we putting out there? You know, this is one where like at the end of the day, you might have like we like our crew might be tired and bruised and bloody and just like put in like an 18 hour day and we're all like are we even getting paid to do this? You know, like, uh, you know, this has been so much work, so much more than a normal crew. But at the end of the day, we're all like cool with that because we're like, this is awesome. And like, we love the product we're putting out there for people. Yeah. And I think that's the most important. And I think also that a lot of us has, have lost our connection to, to nature, especially when you live in a big city, you think we've become more detached from the natural world, from nature, from, People are, are are scared. People are essentially scared to be out in nature because whatever the reason is it wildlife or they're scared that of the weather or whatever it is. But within the city, 
they're they're fine within the the cars and the smog and the noise and the, the pollution. That's all, you know, good and well, and they feel very convenient and and content. So I don't know. I, that's how I feel. I feel like we've lost our way from the natural world. I'm just wondering if that's something you'd agree with. Yeah. Oh, I I totally agree with that. I think in a lot of ways, like you know, and this is what's cool about like wilderness philosophy, which I'm not well versed in, but we've, we've done some episodes where I got to talk to people about this, but like human beings like built this construct of like society that like separate us from nature. Like nature used to be looked at as this bad thing. It was good because like we got our food from it and everything like that, but it was looked at as this evil, like bad thing because it's rough on us, you know? And I think the more we've gotten away from that, the more we're starting to see why we really need that. We need nature for so many reasons. And so I totally agree. And I think when people, there's a reason people get out into national parks and they're like, wow, I love this. It's because like, there's just, it's a part of us, you know? And so like, the more you get out there, the more you see that and you you have to give it a chance. Like, that's why, especially with Rock the Park, we want to deliver you an experience, not like school you with like so much info that you're just like, what is like, I'm overwhelmed by all these facts and things. Because I remember as a kid, I went on these like environmental camps and I had fun because I was like with my friends. But it, at the end of it all, like I was like, it, it was a chore. Whereas then when my parents took me to a national park and I went on a hike, I was like, whoa, I love this. Now I want to preserve this. Now I want to be out in this. It's just all how you're given that experience. And I think our national parks are a great way for people from the city to get out there and be like, this is amazing. I need this in my life. And and then you become more comfortable in the elements once you learn how to do it safely and learn how to yeah, navigate the weather and do it responsibly. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on with that. Like we're doing it the opposite. Like if you try to stuff it down kids or people's throat with education and, and, and teaching them and blah, blah, blah. People, you know, they retract, they go back, they, they don't want it. But if you just let them experience it for themselves, let them enjoy it. And then they'll want to, you know, get all that education, get all that knowledge, because then they'll be able to enjoy it in a, in a better and a more secure fashion. So I think that's spot on. Absolutely. And that's why the parks are great. I know we have problems with people going out and doing things that they don't know are wrong, like whatever, carving your name in a tree and all that. And that that is wrong. And like, I don't obviously condone that at all. And I don't want that to happen. So we need these parks as a means to, to educate people while they're doing it and stuff like our show. That's what our show is about. But I think there is just like a little of like, you just people got to get out there. Did you have an experience that maybe humbled you the most throughout this uh, six year uh, project? Is it like a place or, or a animal that you encountered or an experience? There have been a few. I'll get, I'll, I'll make these short, but I'll give you a couple. One, we were caving in Carlsbad caverns, but we were doing like a, what's called a wild cave tour, which is like where you're crawling through it. It's small spaces. But long story short, it was like the monsoon season there. While we were in this cave with a ranger as our guide, the exit slash entrance, however you get it, flooded. And it was rising water. And to get through it, there's the squeeze. And like I remember when we found out that that was flooding and there was a chance we were going to get stuck in there for the night or whatever, two nights or whatever. I remember like, whoa, okay. 
and those are the moments where you really like realize like, okay, what, what you're made of or what you believe or, or whatever. And I just remember thinking like, it's going to be fine. Like, let's not panic. And, and we were able to get through it. And so, so that was one thing, but then in Alaska, in the same park, Katmai national park, uh, two years ago, we were going up a mountain there, one of the volcanoes, and it turned into a whiteout where snow's coming down and storms are rolling through. And we went down the mountain, discovered that um, some of our crew, and they, they knew better. So uh, they, these, these guys know what they're doing. So they knew better, but they didn't quite anchor their t- tents down the right way. And the tents were like blowing through the valley. We had to go like chase them down. And we were supposed to be picked up by an airplane out there to get us out of there once the episode was done. Because in Alaska, airplanes are like just a part of the wilderness culture there. And the storm was coming in. And now with the tents blowing away, like our crew didn't bring like enough food and like all this stuff. And like that was a moment where it was like, whoa, we're in survival mode now. And so, yeah, just there's a lot of moments like that where you just are you're humbled and you realize like, yeah, life is life is precious. You know, like we we we're so afraid of all these things, especially in the time of COVID right now, you know, it's like, you're afraid like, Oh, is this virus going to kill me or my loved ones? But it's moments like that, that you realize like, there are those things every day. <laughs> like life yeah. is not guaranteed <laughs> to any of us. And so it, it, it just puts things into perspective and it, and it, it hopefully causes you to learn what you're made of to seize control of like your mental space, but then also like work together with the people you're with. And that's why I say I'm grateful to have good friends like, like Colton. And then also like our crew where we we do come together and we work together. It doesn't turn to Lord of the flies or anything, you know? Yeah. I think the most important thing you can take from that is just don't panic. Like panicking is never a good solution to anything. Never. There's never been anyone that said, you know, I just panicked and then I figured it out. That, That just doesn't happen. Like staying calm, Thinking it through, you know, figuring out a plan, that's always the best solution. You know, there's, um, you obviously, I'm sure you know him, Alex Honnold. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and th- when you watch him on, you know, climbing El Cap and, and all these other massive faces, and you just see how calm he is, even when something's happened, if, if the weather changes or if, you know, some bird flies above him or some animal pops up out of a little crevasse in the mountain, he just... His heart rate's the same. He's always cool, calm, collected. And I think that's out of all the other things you can take from that incredible human, like that's one of the main things. Like just just stay calm, just figure it out. Yeah, because if you panic, that's when you're going to start having a problem. And I, I also think that those things teach you some lessons to carry forward into your next adventure. Like what we learned from that is like, yeah, when you're packing and you're like, Mm, should I bring this extra thing, whether it's food or whatever? And you're like, oh, the weight, I just, no, I don't want to bring it. After you have an, a, a, an episode like that, or you know, a situation like that, you kind of learn like, you know what, I'm just going to bring it. So it teaches you like how to be maybe a little more prepared next time. And that's just, if I have one message for people, it's like, do your research and just like, try to be as prepared as you can for these things. I know it's hard when you're looking at like how much water you should bring and it's going to be heavy or whatever. It's like, just bring the extra water. Like even the other day I went, I went camping just with some friends and uh, 
And we were at the store and, and mind you, we were car camping. We were in a vehicle, like we weren't hiking at all. And my buddy was like, I'm just going to bring two, two jugs of water. And I was like, we're going to be out there for two and a half days. I was like, there's no space problem here. And these, these jugs of water cost like 89 cents. I was like, yeah, <laughs> get four, get five. He was like, I'll get three. And then I got like 10 of them. And so yeah. like, I do that anyways. It's like, it doesn't just bring the right stuff, you know, like you're, you're gonna be glad you did. <laughs> Even on a micro level, you know, when, when I go on a run or if I go on a, just a small hike, like, Having the proper gear, having like good, you know, pants and and shirt and the and the, the running shoes, like that makes such a difference. And that that's like on a micro level. So if you're going on something that could potentially be endangering to your life and to your health, yeah, I think it's not a big ask to bring the the proper things along, you know. And I think that. Yeah, I think that's just something people should do. But I don't know if it's out of laziness or out of like, oh, you know, oh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's that ego thing. I think more often than not, it's just not knowing. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as knowing what to bring, how – so every time I talk to and, and I friends back home and, and people here that I want to go hiking with, almost always the number one thing that comes up is, is bears. And they have this fear of bears. And, you know, the amount of times I've seen bears on it, I actually had a bear in the backyard here, maybe like a month ago in the morning. There's just a massive black bear. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll wait a few minutes before I take the dogs out. But the amount of times I've seen bears on on hiking trails, it's maybe twice, right? But people, they always say like, oh, you know, what about bears? What about bears? How important is bear spray when you go, you know, in bear country or just on hikes? I think it's really important. I, I, you know, they always talk about bear spray just being for grizzlies, but I, I, I would argue, why not bring it even if you're just in black bear country? It's important. It's, it's peace of mind. It's, it's a deterrent that if you know how to use it, it's a deterrent that's non-lethal, that's gonna protect you, but also isn't really going to harm the bear. Um, it, it's it's extremely important. You know, that's why, yeah, knowing the right things to do is great because you feel more comfortable, more confident that you can handle a situation and you're protecting the animals as well, you know, because like, okay, let's put it this way, like a grizzly bear, they're different than brown or than black bears in this sense, but a grizzly bear, if I'm on a trail and I see a bear in front of me, he's looking, he or she is looking at me as, not as food, but as a threat to whatever he or she is doing because they don't know they don't know what I'm up to, right? So if I have the the knowledge and just the humility and the decency to turn back and give them the trail or to step aside and let them do their thing and move out of the way, it's respect to them, and then they're not gonna they're not gonna come after me. Yeah, and I mean also if 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 they do something to a to a person i'm not even talking about killing someone but even just attack them odds are they're going to be hunted down and killed so this is essentially saving everyone's lives and i mean you had a you had a you had a uh one of the episodes you had like a bit of a close call in uh in montana i think it was can you kind of let us you know explain to us and then give us a kind of a story of how that went down 
Yeah. Are you talking about the one in Glacier when we were on our way up to? You're like on horses, horseback, and then like there was like these cubs up in the tree. I mean, that's the one I saw. I don't know. Maybe there were others, but that's the one I saw. Yep. You, no, no, you're totally right. And that happened last summer. So that's, that's fresh. Yeah. We, okay. Long story short, we were going uh, to track down the headwaters of the Missouri River. It's this little spring up in the Centennial Mountains of Montana and Idaho, kind of the border. And uh, we were on horseback. And the whole deal was like we were kind of living this like dream of like, yeah, horse packing, packing everything you have on the backs of horses and camping out with them and all that. It was incredible. One of the coolest things I've ever done. Well, we had pack mules that carried not only our stuff but also our cruise gear and everything so there's this train of like mules behind us i just stayed on my horse and so then we realized that the mother was down here and behind us up in the tree or right next to us were these cubs and so that was a bad situation so you were between her and her cubs essentially yeah definitely was more intense than i just made it sound it was a crazy situation and i encourage you if you're listening to this Go to YouTube and check out that episode because uh, it, it was insane, and that that's what those are what that's the dramatic moment that you don't script, you know. Um, so it's quite an experience, but um, but yeah, you know, we came out of it okay because we just uh, chill, you know, we let it happen and uh, we stayed in control and we let the guides do what they do. It was great. Yeah, I mean that was that was an awesome uh, <laughs> that was an awesome moment that, like you said, that unscripted aspect of it is i think what's the most intriguing and interesting at times rather than oh you know uh, we know exactly what's going to happen this is what we're going to do this time but then something comes up out of the blue and that's like you said like earlier right with your cousin and he comes and he shoots and that's that's not what the intention was and you end up winning emmys and that's yeah i think the 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 x factor is what makes it i don't know what it is about it but like that is nature like every time you think you know what you're doing it's like no you don't but in a good way sometimes in a gentle way sometimes in a not so gentle way but that's life i suppose we should do uh next time you're out in the east coast we should do some uh we'll we'll do some hiking somewhere in the area yeah first of all i i follow a lot of people or i even have friends that are uh like love the cat skills and like uh uh, the Adirondacks and like I even my aunt and uncle live in Manhattan and they they haven't been there for a while now because of all this stuff but they have a cabin in New Jersey and it's just gorgeous like there is a lot there's a lot out there for sure and the Adirondacks is massive and you have Vermont great hiking trails New Hampshire obviously the the highest mountain in the east coast and um yeah it's also that that's that's what I want to do in winter I, I've been eyeing that for like a few winters now and Probably not this one, but hopefully with everything that's going on. But hopefully next uh, next winter, I want to do that one. The in uh, like Mount in New Hampshire, the um, Mount Washington. Yeah, that's the one. We did that, and I'll just say this: you should because those mountains, because you get above treeline and stuff. I actually, it has an Alaska vibe to it, and I was super impressed with that. I was like. We're on the East Coast. This feels raw, rugged, like wild and on a whole other scale. It's uh, incredible. So I definitely recommend that one. Do you want to do any big mountains? Do you have any plans to do any big mountains? You know, I've learned over the years what my style is. Colton, my co-host, is very much like 
kind of like a, a bucket list sort of a guy where you're like, yeah, he wants to do Rainier. He wants to do Mount Hood. He'd love to do like some of those big mountains. I'm okay with it, but like I've learned that like I can get my fix on something smaller that's lesser known. Um, I'll give an example. Like there's this town that I love in Northern Nevada called Jarbage. It's the, it's known as the most remote town in the lower 48. And that place is incredible on a lot of levels, but there's a wilderness area back there that has all these peaks and most of them are trailless. There's no trail to get to the top of them. So you have to like find your own way. You have to route, route find and, and they have, you can get up there, you can hike up there, or scramble up there, and there are steep drop-offs on one end, but you don't need technical gear necessarily to do it. You just got to not be afraid of heights or whatever. We tried once, we didn't make it to the top, and then we came back and we did make it. And anyways, that is my type of an experience because we had to find our own way. You know, we're looking at this massive wilderness, you know, where you have to hike through, then you get to your mountain, you're like, all right, now I have to route find to get up to the top. We camp out on the side of it. Then we make our way. We're in snowshoes. We have ice axes and stuff like that. And then to get to the summit and to look at the drop off and to see yourself in this massive wilderness area, it's an amazing feeling. And it's it's what I believe other people find with those bigger mountains. Except for me, it's accessible to me. I don't need to pay for a guide. I don't. I'm not seeing anyone else out there. It's safe. It's within my comfort zone of my skills. So it almost like delivers me the experience I'm looking for. And, and so I love that, you know, that's something that I, I really, that suits my needs, but we have done some mountaineering where like you're roped up and like everything, like we climbed the Grand Teton. We did that one in the North Cascades. We did some in Denali, which was insane. So I love that too. It's just almost like personally now, like I can get my fix other places, I suppose. That makes sense. Rainier, like we hiked up to Camp Mirror or whatever, and it was an insane experience. And like I was there, I was like, I kind of wish we were going to the top. Yeah. But then I also know like um, my dad did a documentary on this guy who lost his legs in a, a plane crash actually on Denali. And he became, I think, I don't know if he was the first like uh, paraplegic to climb it, but he, he eventually climbed Denali. Well, anyways, then he was climbing Rainier got hit by a rock and died, you know? So like, that's <laughs> tragic. And yeah. It, but it's like, these they're pretty dangerous. So I'm almost like, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like I would do it. I'd love to do it. But like, I could all, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I, yeah. Rainier, they call it the, something like the little or the small Everest. It's a legit, like I, I climbed, um, I think it was like six or seven years ago. I climbed Mount Shasta in California and that was a fairly easy 14er. I mean, it, you know, it had its challenges, but it was, we also had like pretty bad weather. There was like lightning storms all around us. But yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to really, <laughs> I hope they're not coming here. But, um, but Rainier was just technical and, and challenging and these massive open crevasses that you're going over. And, but it, it was, it was gnarly, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. I did it twice. First time we had to turn back around and second, actually second time, I also didn't make it to the top. We had to turn back at, um, ironically enough, Disappointment Cleaver. So I have to go there a third time in order to summit. So maybe maybe next year. You know, I, there are other options as well. And so, but like, I, I have loved it every time we've done one of those technical big climbs. It's just, 
it's a blast. You can't trade that experience and that, you know, for anything. It's sick. So do you guys are are you looking to maybe in the future do some stuff abroad, maybe go to Europe or Asia, you know, South America? Yeah, and we we've done a little bit of that. Our show kind of works through sponsorships. It's different than other TV shows in that nature. And so with that being said, Subaru has been our sponsor forever. And part of like the show's premise is also that uh, we're kind of on this big road trip. That's how we started doing it. So the show definitely more lends itself to domestic, but we've had the opportunity to go abroad. We went and did a few episodes in Japan. We did one in South Korea. uh, No, not last year, but the year before. And then we've done other ones like the Cayman Islands and and stuff like that. But, uh, and we did Canada and stuff, but like, I would love to, like personally speaking, like I want to start traveling more abroad because I've just had some incredible experiences on the few times I've done that. And and for the show, like we'd love to do more of that. I've almost accepted though, over the years that the premise of the show is what it is. And like, that may be something that I just have to do on my own time, you know, and, and that's okay too, but we'll see. There's something about that, right? Like just traveling, seeing new places. It's so great. It's not something you can you can put a price on. You just you come you come out of it a better human for that experience somehow. Definitely, I, absolutely. I that's what chapter of life that we're all in. You know, a little more difficult too is like you know we're missing out on that. So that's why I like doing what you're doing. Like just go up north or something. You know, find a way to do it safely and responsibly, and and get and and get that experience because I think we need it. Like. You know, you had a moment on that show that um, I thought was very genuine and and different. Uh, you, you were essentially you and, and Colton. I forget where, where where this was. It was maybe Utah or, or somewhere. And um, you guys had a very. I think you you went out for for like a little bit. You kind of went inwards and and meditated or had some deep thought and then you end up sitting with him after that hour or so and you basically tell him how you feel which is not something guys typically do right like we don't sit with a friend and be like dude i love you it's just not something guys do and i and i was like you know that's that's refreshing to see two guys sitting out there and just being honest with each other and yeah i just i just thought that was refreshing and and not something you see every day and i appreciated that Thanks, man. Like, I, that means a lot to me because part of my life journey, too, is like I've kind of realized over the years that I am like, I'm an artistic person, but I'm also like a sensitive and emotional guy. So I've always had this conflict of like what our society deems is, is masculine and what masculinity is. And so over the years, I've come to learn, like, have an appreciation for for what I believe true masculinity is. And, and so I've always wanted to, yeah, to, to like let other people know that it doesn't, you know, we're tough in, in many ways. We don't have to like put on these masks and whatever. And so like, and that's something that nature does for me. Like it literally does always deliver me some sort of a message. And so when I was out there, I did realize that. And, and it's funny because yeah, Colton and I, for we've been we've been buddies for so many years at this point like i just was like you know what this is an opportunity to you know for us to like kind of bond and like for me to tell him like how much he's impacted my life but then also like share that message with other people so i'm like i'm glad that 
you appreciated that because yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't easy for me to do on camera. And there've been other moments like that on camera too, but um, yeah, I appreciate that. One little side thought with that, that really bothers me is, uh, <laughs> and I don't blame our guys during that scene. I'm like sitting like spread Eagle and there's just like this epic, like crotch shot where I'm just like, God, like <laughs> it's just, it's just an ugly shot, but I'm like, okay, whatever. Thankfully, people aren't paying attention to that. But. No, I didn't. I didn't even notice it. Yeah, I'm you're, glad. You're kinda, you kind of, you know, you want to be, you're kind of in that moment. You're like, all right, this dude's going through like some emotions. Yeah, and yeah, you're in the moment. So yeah, there was no. I'm glad to hear that. As like a guy who shoots video myself, I'm just always like. I remember back in the day, I did an interview in college with this like bear expert and my mentor at the time, I was showing him my documentary and he was like, this angle you use, like, you know, it's not the most flattering angle. And since then I've kind of like been more sensitive to that. Like, so, but that's a whole sidebar. But. No, no, I'm, I'm the same. Cause I, uh, you know, I studied photography just like stills, not, not video anything years back. And the first time, and, and while I was studying it, someone, uh, a, f- a friend of my wife asked me to shoot their, um, what was it? Not either son, something for their son, a birthday or, or something. And they were like, can you shoot us all together? And I shot them from like down angle, right? From like, I, I was like crouching down and it was so unflattering. And then like later they, they told me like, yeah, you shouldn't, you should never shoot anyone that way. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. I didn't like how the pictures came out. I'm sure they didn't like how the pictures came out. So it's one of those things where you, you live and you learn. Totally. And, and to, to my guys, like defense, they were literally capturing reality. They weren't, you know, they, they were clearly like in the, in the moment as opposed to like, sitting there fixating on, on whatever that was. And, and, and to that point too, like most people aren't going to sit there and be like, Oh, that's really ugly. Like, <laughs> yeah, so. anyhow. One final question for me, which is something I love. Cause for me, if anybody that's listened to the, to the podcast and they've been listening to the podcast, they know that I'm obsessed with dogs. I have two dogs and I'm just completely obsessed with dogs. So uh, on the show, you guys work with a few times you work with uh, shelter dogs, which is pretty unique. How did that come about? Well, we love dogs too. My family right now, because we have my grandparents' dog too, in my family between the five of us, there are five oh, dogs. Wow. So when, when, and I was actually with them in Minnesota, I think, I don't know if I said this on air or not, but I was with them last week in Minnesota and all five were together. It was amazing how well they were behaving. You know, five dogs, that's a lot of, yeah, a lot, lot of dogs. That's a pack. So we love dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we definitely love dogs. Colton has a dog. So we always like doing stuff when we can. And with our spo- our partnerships and sponsorships, we always try to do things that like share a message. And so working with Subaru, but also another sponsor, Nature Valley, we wanted to show people that like rescue dogs, you know, getting a rescue is a great way to, to find a dog for a lot of reasons. A, because you're helping a dog that's is out there that needs a home but also like a lot of times they're already like trained and like they they're they're great pets like even beyond just like you're doing a good thing like they're they're great dogs and so we found one in montana that um actually allows people to like take them out for like a day and like give them exercise and you're like that sounds like a great way to show people 
that you can do that. You can help out a shelter, but also that these dogs are great. And I actually ended up bonding. I really ended up bonding with the dog that I was with. And like, I was actually kind of bummed that I couldn't take him home. But, um, so yeah, that's how that came about. And that, that was a really great experience. It's hard, right? It's like, I, I, whenever I see fosters and, and then they end up having a dog for like two to three months, I'm like, ah, how can you give that dog away? It's so hard, man. And I wouldn't be able to do that. The sad thing for me, but it, it, and unfortunately, when I started traveling for the show, it became clear to me that this wasn't fair to the dog because I would just be leaving all the time. And it also wasn't fair to my roommate who had to take care of him all the time. And so I ended up letting my brother take care of him. And, uh, and then as time went on, it just became clear, like, this is, this is your home now, you know, like with him, with my brother. And so that was hard for me, but to, to your thing, like I wouldn't be able to just like get a dog and like give him away. But I also now know that my life, I just, it's not set up for me to have a dog. And so I don't want to be selfish in that sense either. And like get a dog and then have him like live this life where I'm always gone and whatever. And so thankfully for me, I get to see my little dog all the time to this day and, and he's happier than ever. And, and so it's, so that ended up good, you know, great for me, but um, yeah, man, dogs are the best. I, yeah, that would be impossible for me. Cause I thought during quarantine, I was like, maybe I should like foster one. And I was like, no, I would end up keeping this dog and I just can't do that right now. <laughs> Dude, man, I don't, like during this last four or five months, adoptions and shelters have just skyrocketed. Everyone's adopting, you know, because people don't want to be alone and then people want a companion. I just hope that whenever this thing stops, that that thing doesn't reverse and then people don't, you know, go and, and end up putting these dogs back in shelters. I agree. And and like, this is on a side note that hopefully isn't too, you know, whatever dark, but like I've read stories of people who are experiencing mental, who like have mental health issues and their dogs are the reason why they're still alive today because they couldn't imagine their dogs sitting there waiting for them to come home and never coming home. And so I just think the bond between dogs and human beings is so beautiful and amazing that like, that that's like someone's like motivation to keep living is like this other you like being like needs me. And like, I just love dogs. It's pretty cool. hundred percent. I, I think they, it's a symbiotic relation. They enrich our lives. We enrich that they need us for affection and food and exercise. And they want to please totally. them. We need them because they give us that attention that un unconditional love. And they actually make us go outside and exercise and, I think it's a great relationship and people should adopt uh, again, if they are responsible yeah. pet owners and they can, and they, and they can financially, they should, they definitely should. There's no need. There's no reason to go and, and buy from, from puppy mills and other places. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you get amazing dogs. I got both my dogs from, uh, you know, different places adopted both and they're, they're unbelievable. So. It's so funny too. We, one of my parents' dogs, they were just at a, we were looking for another dog. We've had the same types of dogs my whole life. And so when one passes away, we get the same breed and then the other. And so we were looking for one at the time, but uh, this was years ago. My mom and my sister were at a pet store and saw the dog, the kind of dog they wanted. And totally this dog had to be from a puppy mill. And we got him. And I will say this, he has 
so many issues. <laughs> like really? so many issues, but we love him for his <laughs> issues. But like so that I have no point in saying that. All I can say is like we got a dog that definitely came from a puppy mill. He has issues, but we do love him nonetheless. It's just yet. Yeah. Oh no, they're still amazing. But yeah, there's because there's a lot of there's better ways. Yeah, there's yeah. other ways. And yeah, well, they, the, sure. the problem is a lot of them. They do a lot of inbreeding and they don't do correct breeding, and then there's genetic problems that uh, a lot of these dogs unfortunately suffer totally. from uh, breathing issues to heart conditions to joint problems. And, yeah, I feel like for the most part. I mean, this is not a blanket statement. For the most part, the mixed breeds tend to be the healthiest. Uh, Absolutely. The least. Absolutely. Problems. Yeah. Totally. Cool, man. So, yeah, I want to really thank you for uh, doing the podcast, man. Uh, I had a great time. I love talking nature and dogs and mountaineering. And the show that you guys do, I feel, is authentic. And you guys keep to what you feel is true. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of the fans that watch it, I appreciate that as well. And that's why they stay tuned in, man. Yeah. And you know what, I, I really enjoyed this too. And I, I appreciate it, the opportunity so much and just the conversation we had. I, I think a lot of times, like, I'll do podcasts and things and it, and it feels like, um, you know, like I'm on like the spokesman for the national parks or whatever. And it's kind of the <laughs> same questions and everything. And and so I appreciate how this was just like, just like a chill, like free, you know, free flowing conversation for the most part. So I like, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you saying that. That's, that's what I try to do. So I'm glad that uh, you felt that way. And uh, yeah, man, maybe next time either I'm on the West coast, you're in the East coast, we'll set up a hike. It'll be fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Keep in touch. We'll definitely make that happen. Awesome, man. So yeah. I'll, I'll, where can uh, people find you on, on YouTube, on Instagram, social media? Yeah. So, okay. So everyone, if you're looking to uh, check out Rock the Park, uh, we're on ABC every single weekend, usually Saturdays. So check your local listings or go to, uh, you can go online and, and find that. Also, Rock the Park is on YouTube. So we have our channel on there, as well as Instagram. If you just search Rock the Park, I think it's at Rock the Park ABC, but just search Rock the Park on Instagram. You'll find us there. My Instagram is at Jack. F Stewart, F as in Frank. And then I also have my own YouTube channel. It's called The Pursuit is Happiness, where I do vlogs and other things. I've been on a hiatus from the blog, but there's like 30 episodes up there that are really fun. And it's behind the scenes. It's a behind the scenes look into making Rock the Park as well as just other adventures I go on and stuff. So you can find that as well. That's awesome, man. And I'll link everything in the show notes, make it easy for everyone to find it. And all right, man. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. I had a blast.